Welcome back to the most important stop of the day. This is the Money Stop with Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano, and congratulations to Ryan Blaney and the number 12 team on a massive win at Michigan, his second win of the year as we head into Daytona with one race remaining in NASCAR's regular season. Cole, a really good race, really, really great Michigan race, especially the ending, and you know, we talked about it. We both kind of collectively called it on last week's show, saying that Ryan Blaney had a third-place starting position a week ago, and if there was ever a point in time where Penske needed to string some some momentum together, Ryan Blaney had to be the guy to do it. He had to be the most opportunistic driver in the garage. He went out there, and he took advantage of some lane choices on the final restart, and he beat out William Byron for the win, and that was just massive. Yep, he was the first car to, to really choose the inside lane and succeed with help from Kyle Busch from behind. And I gotta be honest, this was... Probably the best Michigan race I've seen in the last five, ten years since we've been watching NASCAR. I, I thought it was phenomenal. The racing was great. It was very much a great precursor to Daytona upcoming this week. Um, the top three, four cars were pretty much always in the same frame under like a three-tenths blanket. And that was really cool. I mean, the racing was phenomenal. It was another race dominated by Hendrick Motorsports, whether it be Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, or William Byron. But, um, yeah, Ryan Blaney gets his second win of the season, his first multi-win season of his career. And we, we mentioned it. We said this could be a big turning point for him and Team Penske going into the postseason. And, lo and behold, we're going to another Super Speedway race this weekend at Daytona, a place where he's seen success between there and Talladega. And it could be another uh, big week for Ryan Blaney. And you said it yourself last week. We just needed to see more from Blaney because... We know what he's capable of. Uh, this was, like you said, his first multi-win season now, and it, it may, really makes you think about what his chances could be in the playoffs, and you hit it right on the head with the fact that we head to Daytona now, which I think could be as good a track as any for Team Penske as a whole. I mean, you look at Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, who have also been slumping throughout the past few weeks. They both have as good a chance to win at Daytona as just about any other track, along with Ryan Blaney. So that is... Very encouraging if you're Roger Penske right now. And let's let's actually start there. Splash and go. What do you think Ryan Blaney's place is in the postseason? Because last week, I said it right here, we could go to a track that hits his wheelhouse like the Charlotte Roval. He's into the next round. He's been consistent. He's been stringing together these top fives, but we just need to see some more wins. And now that he's got the bonus points, I really think that just kind of expanding on what I had to say last week, that he really could make a, a run at this championship or at least get to the round of eight. So looking at the postseason schedule, I think the biggest thing here is going to be getting over the hump of Daytona and carrying that momentum into the playoffs, just because I feel like Ryan Blaney is capable of winning just about anywhere. I think he has the speed. He's proven that over the last seven weeks or so. It's just a matter of him, again, carrying that momentum into the playoffs. But I think the biggest thing for me is we know he can win a race. We know he's very opportunistic. I want to see him out front leading a bunch of laps and, and, and all that. Um, I, I saw a stat recently where in each race he's won, he's led like a combined 36 laps. And that's between six victories, mind you. So I just want to see him go out there. I want to see him dominate, lead some laps, win some stages, and, and you know, just assert himself as a serious contender in this field. Um, but I think looking at the postseason, I, I do believe he can be a contender down to the round of eight. He's won at the Roval. He's had great success at places like Bristol, Vegas, so and obviously Talladega. So there is definitely a, a path for Ryan Blaney to make it into the championship four. Just a matter of uh, executing. Right. So I guess at this point, it's all good things for Team Penske and for Ryan Blaney. 
And, you know, if there's going to be any team that beats Hendrick Motorsports in the playoffs, it really feels like at this point it's narrowed down to Team Penske or Joe Gibbs Racing. So one of these camps has got to get hot, specifically one of these teams, and we all know how important momentum is in this sport, especially heading into the playoffs. We've seen so many championships throughout the past 10, 15 years in this chase-slash-playoff format, one based off of which driver got hot heading into the playoffs. So that is definitely something to watch for going into Daytona. The other big storyline, though, outside of the sort of surprise winner at this past weekend at Michigan's race, was the fiasco between Brad Keselowski and Austin Dillon. And Austin Dillon was your sleeper last week, so another great call. And he had an excellent car. He was running top five for most of the race. And at the end of stage two, fighting for one stage point, Brad Keselowski just kind of dumped him and apologized for it after the race. We definitely don't think it was intentional, but nonetheless, uh, he enters Daytona 25 points out of the playoffs and his teammate at RCR, Tyler Reddick. So really, really tough uh, fortune for Austin Dillon. And I guess Brad did apologize, but that's got to be really difficult. And so how do you think that this kind of translates into the next race or even the weeks upcoming? I don't think it's going to play that much of a factor. I think it was more or less a racing deal. Even Austin Dillon apologized over the radio saying that he was racing him a little hard for the stage points at the end there. But, you know, that's what you got to do when you're in the position that he's in. So I, I do think it was in a way a racing deal. But Brad absolutely could have given Austin more room on the bottom. I mean, you have all this length of the racetrack in the front stretch and you're going all the way down to the apron to basically uh, let him know you're there and, and give him a hard time. But um, I don't think it really affects anything. It could have been a lot worse for RCR and uh, Austin Dillon just because had Tyler Reddick not spun there at the end of the race and finished whatever it was, like 30-something, um, it could have been easily a 40-point margin for Austin Dillon in a must-win situation. I think now the gap is so close that it, it can go either way. If both these drivers are in contention come the end of the race at Daytona on Saturday— it's going to be very close, and, um, you know, it, it was funny over the radio hearing Richard Childress say that he's an old man, but he could whoop Brad Keselowski's ass. Uh, just, you know, I, I think it was a, a racing deal overall, but it could have been a lot worse for uh, Austin Dillon. And now that's kind of where I want to take this conversation is the playoff picture, because I just mentioned Tyler Reddick, 25 points to the good. Uh, and Austin Dillon, the next driver out, the only one that can still make it on points. And 25 points, while it might not seem like a lot, that really that's 25 positions on the track if you're not counting stage points or anything like that. So this is going to be an extremely interesting race at Daytona. But what really amplifies the fact that how interesting it's going to be is the fact that these two guys are teammates. So uh, you had a chance to, to talk to Tyler Reddick about this exact sentiment. Right. And my biggest question going in for Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon was basically, would there be any teamwork going into Daytona? Because obviously, we've seen in the past, Team Chevy drivers work together at these plate tracks or super speedways like Daytona and Talladega. So I wanted to know if there was basically any conversations between him and Austin, or maybe there was a team meeting at RCR, to see how they were going to approach this weekend. Well, I mean, we can't, honestly. Um, I'm in. He's out. There's a 25-point gap. Anything I do to help him hurts me. Anything... Um, he does to help me hurts him. So we really can't work together uh, at all, you know, uh, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I guess at the end of the day, you know, if I had to pick, I mean, I still want an RCR car to be in the playoffs over anybody else, obviously. And he feels the exact same way about that. But for him to do everything for his team to get in the playoffs, uh, he can't be helping the eight and I can't be helping the three, right? So it's kind of a weird spot. 
but um, uh, for sure, I, I know without even don't even have to ask him. I know I know where he stands because I'm the same way. Uh, we we want an RCR car to be in the playoffs this year, uh, and so it's just a difficult place to be in because you know we we we're not obviously not going to go out there and, and screw each other over because then neither one of us will make the playoffs potentially if someone new wins. So it's just a very complex situation. But yeah, I mean that's just kind of the way it'll have to be Saturday night. So basically every man for themselves between the fact that they are teammates, that they're only two that can make it based off of points. Basically, they're just hoping at this point that nobody beneath them in the points can end up winning this race and forcing Tyler Reddick or Austin Dillon out of the playoffs, which is very possible. And I'm going to ask you one simple question, Cole, because you look at the names behind them. We've got some very established restrictor plate slash super speedway drivers who have a demonstrated history of winning races at Daytona and Talladega, like Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Eric Jones, and then also guys who have performed extremely well there in recent years, like Bubba Wallace, Ryan Newman even. I mean, you can go on down the list and think of six or seven drivers in this field that could win their way into the playoffs. And so my simple question for you is, will one of these two Richard Childress drivers be in the playoffs after Sunday's race is over? Before I answer that question, give me a simple yes or no. Do you think that a new driver will win on Saturday. Well, that's basically the question I'm asking you right now. <laughs> it's it's a really difficult question. I think it's not out of the question. It is literally, in the spirit of the money stop, it's like a coin flip. It truly is. It feels like a 50-50 chance. Okay, well, well, here's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I think that without a doubt in my mind, there will be a new winner on Saturday. For some reason, I just can't see Tyler Reddick rising to the occasion. I think I could definitely see Austin Dillon winning this race, but it's going to be... All or nothing for him. I think he's either going to win or, or go out wrecking for that win. But I, I truly believe that we are going to see a new winner in 2021 come Saturday at Daytona. It really would just be the perfect capper to this regular season with how many surprise winners we've seen and how many different uh, drivers we've seen contend for wins and contend for the playoffs. And so if you're Tyler Reddick, you're, you're in the most difficult spot of anybody because you want to kind of points race. You want to keep that cushion between yourself and Austin Dillon in the event that somebody that's already won this year ends up winning this race. However, you can't race too conservatively because then if you have a driver like that that ends up winning this race, you're screwed. It doesn't matter how good of a points racer you were at Daytona. So it's going to be a really fun storyline to watch the same way. Really, it was a similar situation last year where it seemed like it was William Byron versus Jimmy Johnson the entire race, and that was a really fun storyline to track. And then I think now between all of the drivers that are going to have a chance to win this race and then the RCR teammates duking it out uh, for that final spot potentially on points, it's going to be fun to watch. Putting a bow on Michigan, though, let's take a look at some drivers that are stacking pennies, and specifically, two drivers are going to graduate from this list, and one of those is Ryan Blaney. We talked about all the top fives that he was stringing together entering this race, and then, of course, came out with the win, and then also Matt Benedetto with a sixth-place finish, graduates from our Stacking Penny segment because he has been on fire as of recently, and who knows, he could even win at Daytona this week. Without a doubt, and honestly, he's a great, great pick in my mind. He hasn't finished below 11th and I believe, the last uh, six, seven weeks. So definitely two drivers obviously worthy of graduating from the Stacking Penny segment, and I think it's also worth noting that they're both Team Penske uh either cars or affiliates so maybe we could be seeing a potential upswing in the uh forward stable for team penske and and maybe Stuart haas who, who knows there but uh the biggest thing for me is that the, these two drivers were definitely at the bottom of my list for the team penske and team penske affiliates 
going into this season. Obviously, when you have a driver like Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano, they're going to be at the top of your list to contend for a championship. And at this point in time, both those drivers have not done a great job in stringing together complete races. And now you're seeing Ryan Blaney rise to the forefront as maybe a challenger for a Kyle Larson or a Kyle Busch. Um, and then, yes, uh, Matt DiMandetto enters the, the final race, the regular season, on a hot streak, going into a track where he's done exceptionally well. So it very well could be him in victory lane. You never know. Yeah, I really do have a good feeling about Matt Benedetto along with the other three Penske cars. Chances of winning at Daytona this week, and that could be really massive for that stable. But we'll get into the picks later towards the end of the show. Putting a bow finally on Michigan, here is the top 10. Ryan Blaney won it, followed by William Byron, who again came really close to winning his second race of the year. And then Kyle Larson, who led the most laps, followed by Kurt Busch. And Denny Hamlin, Matt Benedetto 6th, Kyle Busch 7th. Jace Elliott, who led the second most laps, finished 8th. Brad Keselowski ninth, which was kind of a, a small victory for him after a, a really tough uh, summer stretch. And then Martin Truex Jr. rounded out the top 10. Shifting gears now to this weekend's Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona, which we've already talked quite a bit about on this episode. Let's jump into nickel or dime. Top paint schemes on the track that we are looking at under the lights this weekend on Saturday night at Daytona in the regular season finale. This is going to be fun because... We just talked about all the storylines and all of the uh, drama that is going to play into this race, but you look at the the paint schemes this week, and man, we have got a great crop of cars this week that are going to be really cool to see under the lights. I have opinions, man. There, there's some really good ones out here. I'll start first with BJ McLeod's number 78. It is the Gatorland Boggy Creek Airboat Adventures car. This is a machine that would make Steve Irwin very proud. Basically, it's a giant alligator or a crocodile, so... Uh, it's covered in green scales. There's alligator teeth going along the side of the car with a red uh, 78 for the number. I just, I'm a big fan of green cars in general. I'm also a big fan of reptiles and dinosaurs. And this is really giving me dinosaurs and reptile vibes, which is what you want for this sponsor. I think it fits the weekend very well being in Florida. And it's a really badass looking car. I think I think it looks really cool. And I feel like that 78, the red, just makes it pop. And it like does. you said... I even I tweeted from our at the underscore money stop account, which, by the way, that's where you can see pictures of all these paint schemes on one succinct graphic that we've tweeted out. And it's on Instagram and all that, too. Uh, I just think it's hashtag Daytona vibes like you think about Orlando area, Daytona, Florida, the Everglades, alligators. It just screams Florida, this paint scheme. So that's easily a dime for me as well. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the one I mentioned actually on Twitter was the Funfetti car that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is driving, and I, honestly, I think you could have a good chance of having some fun and being covered in confetti when it's all said and done. You never know. Uh, really cool-looking car. I think Funfetti is the best kind of cupcake or cake you could have. Very underrated opinion there. Of course, and, you know, I, I, I always mention I, I'm a big fan of the rainbow colors in the cars. Just looks really cool, makes it pop. The design, in general, is really nice. It's very simple. Um, there's a couple of lines going along the side of the car and some, like, uh rainbow glitter dusting um, along the side of it as well. Just fits the sponsor. I think it's a really nice looking car. Very simple. And then finally, I'll give up one more dime to the five of Kyle Larson. That Valvoline paint scheme is awesome. They always bring some really cool paint schemes to the track. And I think it does a nice job in blending um, old school with new school, which, you know, we, we've seen in the Southern 500 and all those throwback races before. Valvoline just has really great paint schemes and um i like with this one compared to the last one that kyle larson ran how there's more blue it's a good mix of red white and blue and i think it also fits 
this weekend very well, even though it's not in the 4th of July anymore. I agree. That is a really sharp-looking car. And like you said, that's one that kind of mixes old with new. I, I could see it on the track in the 80s, 90s, and, and it looks really good even today. And I would like to see that as like a primary paint scheme. If Valvoline ever became a primary sponsor for Kyle Larson, that is a really cool-looking car. And I agree with all your opinions, really. Um, I don't even know if I have any nickels to give out this week out of the special paint schemes, but I do want to give a shout-out to the one and only, uh, I guess, unique paint scheme that is not on our graphic, which is the uh, 23 car that Bubba Wallace is driving this week. It's a Columbia car that looks like a mermaid. It's got scales as well, kind of like a fading pink to purple to blue orange, if I remember right. Uh, if you go to the 2311 Racing Instagram, you can find it on there. But that is a really cool-looking car that I could not find a good enough picture of to put on our graphic. Also, a shout-out to the 14 of Chase Briscoe. I really like the sharp silver look of that Mobile One Mustang this week. I think that specifically that one is going to look sick under the lights this weekend. Uh, the same know, thing, yeah. I think that... The graphic and the just the images you're going to find online won't do it justice, but when you see it under the lights, that is going to be a really cool-looking car. Jumping into the starting lineup, though, for the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona, race that used to be run as the Firecracker 400 over 4th of July weekend, which was uh, really one of my favorite races, one of your favorite races, too, of the season. Just the whole, uh, I guess, patriotic aspect to it and just barbecuing on 4th of July weekend was one of the races that we talked about uh, during the schedule realignment that we would have liked to have seen it stay over 4th of July weekend. However, as we saw last year, it makes for really good dramatics and great storylines in the final regular season race of the season, so definitely can't complain. But here's the starting lineup. I'll start with the top five. Kyle Larson will start on the pole, followed by Hendrick Motorsports teammate William Byron. Denny Hamlin will start third, and then Kyle Busch rolls off fourth, followed by Chase Elliott in fifth. Rolling off six, we have Ryan Blaney, seventh, Martin Truex Jr., eighth, Kurt Busch, ninth, Matty D., and then tenth, Brad Kislowski. And then this is going to be an extremely fun slash difficult race to, to bet on. If you're thinking of betting on this race or putting forth a few DFS lineups, it's going to be very difficult, but at the same time, it gives you a chance to really look at some long shots and have a chance at making some money. So let's take it to the bank, starting with uh, the odds-on favorites Denny Hamlin, very heavily favored to win this race at 7-1 to one odds. And then you've got Cole, a whole slew of drivers that are in very comparable situations here. Right, so we have five drivers tied with 12-1 to one odds. Going to be Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano, which I think is fair. Yeah. I think all five drivers are great speedway racers. But I think Denny Hamlin, he has to be the favorite going in. He has three wins at Daytona, which is the most among active drivers. And, um, you know, I, I just think that they're poised for a big day. I think Toyota had a really, really fast program here in uh, February of the 500. And uh, he's going to be determined to get a win before the playoffs start. I mean, without a doubt, Denny Hamlin has proven over the last few Daytona 500s that, first of all, this is probably his best track. And second of all, that he is the best driver at this track out of any point blank period. While there have been guys like the ones you just named at 12 to 1 odds, like Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, the whole Penske stable has run well there uh, in past few years. Denny Hamlin, there's a reason why he is favored at 7-1 to odds, but then ranking 7th, 8th, and ninth on the list, which would be the next highest drivers behind those six you just named, Kyle Larson, who starts on the pole, is 14-1, to Kyle Busch, 16-1, to and Kevin Harvick, 18-1. to So, I would say that those are decent values, only because they are all guys that are very capable of winning this race. The only issue with those three is that I just think that there are more desperate drivers in this pack. I think that you are, in typical 
regular season finale form and at a super speedway, you're going to see a lot of drivers who have not won a race yet this year. And maybe that does include Kevin Harvick, but specifically a lot of drivers outside the playoffs and ones who want to lock their spot in like Tyler Reddick that are going to be really hungry and desperate for a win even more so than these guys. And so I think that when it comes to making a single bet on a driver to win this weekend, the value lies in those really hungry and desperate drivers that are going to be deeper in the pack, like Matt Benedetto, Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones. I think those are going to be the real value picks when it comes to making a bet on a driver to win the race this weekend. I completely agree. Now, looking at those nine drivers listed for the odds, six of them have won at Daytona, but there are only two multi-race winners in the field, or of those nine drivers, and that's going to be Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. So there's 14 drivers with one win at Daytona. Which is more likely to occur, Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick repeating or a new winner? I guess if I had to pick one of those two scenarios based on the logic I was just talking about, I would definitely say I would expect to see a first-time winner just with all the hungry and desperate drivers in the field. And let's be honest here, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick still have not won races this year. And really, even if they each had five wins this season, I would probably still have the same opinion just because with the final regular season race, taking place at a super speedway. This is just part of the theatrics that I'm going to expect out of this race. And a perfect example would be this race a year ago. One thing I did like, Cole, that we did last week was we kind of broke each of the different drivers down into tiers. We said Hendrick Motorsports were the odds-on favorites to win this race, followed by Joe Gibbs Racing, and then the best value lied with Team Penske. And we were right in that regard. But I want to break these drivers down into tiers specifically for super speedways. And looking at Daytona, I think that you look at guys deeper in the pack, like I mentioned, that are not in the playoffs. Certainly, there's some value there, um, and they've shown good performances at super speedways in the past. But clearly, there's a few drivers in the field, uh, first of all, that we would look at as super speedway titans that are clear odds-on favorites that always perform well at these tracks, no matter what. Yes, and those two drivers, for me, are going to be Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin. We mentioned Denny Hamlin, most active wins at Daytona with three. Over the last five races, two wins and four top fives at Daytona. Most laps led at both Speedway events this year, Daytona and Talladega. Also has most laps led, 628 among active drivers at Daytona. So Denny Hamlin's always going to be a great pick at this track. Uh, outstanding track record. But I really am looking at Brad Keselowski, mainly because news broke last week that Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski are swapping spotters. Now... Brad Keselowski is inheriting TJ Majors, who is arguably the greatest spotter at Speedways of all time. He he was spotting for Dale Jr. in his time in the sport, and uh, obviously one of the greatest of all time to ever do it at these types of tracks. And Brad Keselowski is very much assuming that role. He uh, tied, actually, Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon at Talladega this year with six wins. He has seven Speedway wins, which is the most among active drivers, and fifth on the all-time wins list. So I think that... Pairing Brad Keselowski's talent at these types of tracks with TJ Major's spotting abilities is only going to do great things for him. And, you know, he only has the one win at Daytona. He's been visibly agitated at his uh, his track record as of late at Daytona, namely in the 500. But I think this is going to be a great pairing for, for this race and for the postseason. Um, he won at Talladega earlier this year. Top five in laps led active at Daytona with 230, and I think that this is going to be a big, big race for that two-team. That is definitely easy to say, and I just mentioned a couple minutes ago how Denny Hamlin, easily the best driver at Daytona, well, the best super speedway driver in my opinion, and I think you'd probably agree, 
is Brad Keselowski between both Daytona and Talladega. I think at some point in time, he is going to tie the knot at Daytona in terms of the 500. And I think that winning a race like this that would establish momentum going into the playoffs would be a, a really good precursor as well to potentially setting himself up for a 500 win next year with Roush Fenway. But that's thinking pretty far in advance. Let's look at some drivers that are always speedy at super speedways in terms of the results that they have put on the board. Not quite as dominant in terms of Brad or Denny, but um, there are quite a few drivers that, no matter what, they're always running up front. Maybe they don't win quite as much at these tracks, but have shown that they are definitely capable of winning. And I think that starts with Ryan Blaney. Two wins at Talladega that you alluded to before, as well as two runner-up finishes at Daytona. We've talked about uh, several times this weekend, last week. He is probably the most opportunistic driver in NASCAR. And I think that if he is running in the top five or anywhere up front in the closing laps of this weekend's race, you've got to watch out for Ryan Blaney. Without a doubt. And 148 laps led at Daytona. Um, but he's crashed the last six times there. So there is something to be wary of. But, I mean, law of averages tells you that maybe he should turn around this weekend. And not to mention, he showcased his impeccable drafting skills once again at Michigan last week. So I think Ryan Blaney would be a great pick. He's starting inside the top 10, and um, he's a great at these tracks. Another guy to look out for is going to be Kyle Busch. He's got one win and four runner-ups at Daytona. 468 laps led, which is second most among active drivers. And, I mean, he's always fast here. We've seen it time and time again where he's up front at the end of these things, and he'll either get caught up in a wreck or just not close it out. But I think Kyle Busch is a very underrated Speedway racer at Daytona and Talladega. I was just going to say that. I think if there's any one driver that has always throughout his entire career been the most underrated at super speedways, it's totally Kyle Busch because, I mean, the laps led say it all. Second most among active drivers, and that's including some outstanding super speedway drivers. Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, and on down the list. He's always been underrated. The wins haven't been there, but he is always running up front. Just has been really unlucky, I feel like, at a lot of these tracks. Without a doubt. And now rolling down the list here again, we have Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who we alluded to in the Nickel or Dime segment. So he is a excellent but very aggressive super speedway racer. So it's going to be either win or bust for him. My question to you, what is the over-under on him causing a wreck on Saturday? <laughs> I feel like there's probably higher odds than any driver and that's a storyline that comes with every super speedway race. It's like, when is Stenhouse going to cause the wreck this time? Is it going to be uh, before the last 10 laps? Is it going to be the big one early in the race? I, I think that uh, there's there's always a high probability there. He's probably the most uh, volatile driver you could possibly pick to win a race because kind of like you talked about with Austin Dillon earlier, there's always the chance he's going to win because he's proven he's a prolific super speedway racer, but He's really just as prone to causing a big accident. And again, like, that's just the facts of it all. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Every race he has ever done at a super speedway, it almost feels like it ends in one of those two scenarios. Without a doubt. Closing out this section of the Take It to the Bank, we have the entire HMS stable. William Byron, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman. Always consistently show speed at tracks like Daytona and Talladega, and they produce the fastest cars all season. Um, clearly. Now, they're always running up front, always leading laps at these types of tracks. They all should be contenders come Saturday, and I think that it's going to be heavily favored in either a William Byron or Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson. 
Um, also, William Byron won this race last year. Thoughts on HMS potentially winning this weekend as well? You know, it's funny because I feel like we've spent the first, what, 20, 30 minutes of this podcast talking about how great a chance Team Penske has, how great a chance the Joe Gibbs drivers have, like Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, when really it just feels like Team Hendrick is being swept under the rug when they have a stable of outstanding super speedway racers. And like you said, always at these tracks, they've got the quickest cars. And throughout this year, they've had the quickest cars. So I think that if I had to pick one stable that I'm most confident in winning this race, while the numbers maybe haven't been there in the past with William Byron winning the one race at Daytona, Chase Elliott with one win at Talladega, like they don't have the results that these other teams do. But I really feel like a, a Team Hendrick driver winning is going to be one of the safest bets this week, especially at what their odds are. So I would say the odds are very high just because of the speed that they have had all year and the speed that they always have at super speedway races. And let's not forget, last week in Michigan, they had the best cars all day at a very similar track in terms of drafting and, and that type of racing. And in the 500, both Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott had a great shot at winning that race. So I think that they're going to definitely be contenders for the win come Saturday. And I would definitely peg uh, Chase Elliott or William Byron as my go-to if you're going to go with someone from the Hendricks table. So I guess that's the second tier. We looked at the odds-on favorites, Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski, to recap in Tier 1. Tier 2, you've got all the Hendrick drivers as well as basically the rest of the Penske drivers and Kyle Busch. And then we get into that third tier of drivers that could potentially win this race that are Great super speedway racers. They're known for being great super speedway racers. Maybe don't have as many wins to uh, to show for it. Um, you're looking at guys like Austin Dillon, Michael McDowell, who do have a couple wins to show for their great super speedway pedigree. And then you're also looking at guys that are kind of desperate at this point in the year, like Matt Benedetto and Bubba Wallace, who are still seeking that first career win. But it seems like every time we come to the super speedways, they're right there running up front and with a chance to win one of these races. Absolutely. Now, Going through these guys individually, Matt Benedetto needs a win to make the playoffs. He knows what he has to do. He locked in last year at Daytona in this race. Great at these types of tracks. He had, I would even argue, the best car at Talladega earlier this year, and he finished fifth. So he's a guy that I am very, very confident in, starting ninth especially. I think that he's going to have a great day. I think he's going to have a great shot at the win. Bubba Wallace, again, needs a win to make the playoffs. Had a very fast car at Daytona earlier this year. Finished runner-up in the 500 in 2018 and a top five last year in this race. And obviously, we all know the story about with uh, Michael McDowell. Great Speedway racer, won the 500 earlier this year. And finally, Austin Dillon. He has the one win at Daytona. Finished top 10 in half his starts, which would be eight times at Daytona. Finished third in the 500 this year and eighth at Talladega. Also seeking redemption for Michigan. I think he's, he's again, I think it's going to be win or bust for Austin Dillon. He's going to go either all out for the win or wreck and try him. And looking back on the conversation from a few minutes ago, if you're placing a bet on a driver to win this race and you're looking for good value, this is the tier of drivers you're looking at. And if you're ever going to see a guy like Matt Benedetto or Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, and, and these names we just talked about win a race in the Cup Series, it's going to be at Daytona. And so, I think that these are all great names to throw in the hat if you're looking at a DFS lineup or if you're just placing a bet on a driver to win a race. I do want to stop on Matt Benedetto one more time for a second as well because it just feels like to me, just based on like honestly intuition, everything is building up to a Matt Benedetto win. Like he's come so close every single week. 
We just mentioned he graduated from Stacking Pennies. He has finally strung together some amazing performances. And it seems like there's not the same, I guess, hype around a Matt DiBenedetto win as there's been at certain other periods in the past. Uh, But it just feels like with all of the shortcomings and just how well he's run and how under the radar he still kind of feels right now and a guy that no one's talking about really as a potential guy who could win, everything just feels like, again, intuition-wise, that it's shaping up for a Matt Benedetto win. I don't know if there's any science behind that other than the numbers that he's put together recently, but I, I just think he has a knack for these kind of races and, and still looking for that first win, but I think he's going to show up and he's going to be there when it's all said and done as long as he doesn't get caught up in a wreck. That's exactly how I feel, and that was my thought process going in, honestly. I feel like he—it it, it does feel like a Matt DiBenedetto week, uh, honestly. And the biggest thing is that he's going into this weekend with an uncertain future, both for this season and for, for next year and the, and the years coming. He has no ride ne- locked down for next year. He's not going to be in the 21 car. He's not going to be in the 2 car. He needs to lock himself in the playoffs with a win to solidify a future in the Cup Series, potentially. So I think that this is going to be a big week for him. I think he knows what he has to do to rise to the occasion. We saw that last year, and I think he's going to come out in a big way swinging at Daytona on Saturday. And honestly, as bizarre as it sounds, there's always magic in the air at Daytona. We saw William Byron win there last year. We've seen so many surprise winners at the 500, including this year with Michael McDowell. If there's ever a time where where this guy is going to win and it just feels like it's going to happen, there's magic in the air at Daytona, and I can totally see it happening for Michael McDowell. With that, though, let's take it to the bank and give you our DFS lineup recommendation for this week. And I mentioned at the very top of the show, it is such a fun yet difficult and enticing week to place bets and look at some DFS strategies that are varying. So this was a really difficult lineup to choose, but we kind of just went with some sprinkles of advice that we've given throughout the show. So without further ado, Cole, uh, leading off our lineup this week is Brad Kislowski, valued at $10,000 and Really, the big vote of confidence for Brad is that, A, he's an outstanding super speedway racer, and B, probably the even bigger piece of news is that TJ Majors will be his spotter at Daytona this weekend. Right, and then going down the list here, we have Denny Hamlin starting third, valued at $9,400. Again, most wins among active drivers at Daytona, most laps led at Talladega and Daytona this year. Very accomplished speedway racer. I think he's going to have a great day. And we kind of talked about our general strategy with these DFS lineups, and especially with super speedway races. You want to pick guys that are going to be deep in the pack for the most part, but I think you do want to have at least one driver that you think is going to lead the most laps and win this race. And I like having Denny Hamlin or a guy like Chase Elliott as a centerpiece in your lineup. I would even like a guy like William Byron. I think that one of those Hendrick cars or Denny Hamlin is going to lead the most laps and compile a lot of stage points for you in your lineup. But the third most expensive driver in our lineup at 8,900 is a guy that we haven't even talked about yet, and that is Kaz Grala, because he rolls off 38th, and we've talked about him in previous podcasts as one of the most impressive young drivers in this sport that is on a part-time schedule right now for Colleg Racing, who won at the Indy Road Course a couple weeks ago, so we know that that team has speed and really just a lot of confidence in his driving ability so early in his career, but the fact that he starts 38th is going to be massive, and it could result in a lot of place differential points for you. Our fourth most expensive driver was Chase Elliott, valued at 8,500, and the reason he's so cheap is because he rolls off fifth. Again, he's just another driver that we both think has a really good chance to go out there, lead quite a bit of laps, and potentially win this race, and so I liked having both Denny and Chase in our lineup, but we rounded it out with a couple drivers 
who start deeper in the pack that not a lot of people are talking about, but they can get you quite a bit of points this weekend. Rounding out our lineup is going to be Bubble Wallace valued at 6,500 and Justin Haley valued at 5,500. Now the logic here stems from obviously Bubba Wallace's speedway talents at these types of tracks. Again, finished runner-up at Daytona 500 in 2018. Really, really great racer at this track, at these types of tracks. And Justin Haley. Justin Haley actually won this race in 2019. He's a, a, another great speedway racer. He has success uh, at these tracks, the cup level, Xfinity. Really, really good pick. And much like Kaz Grala, starting 28th, you have to imagine even with all the carnage that he's going to come out on top in terms of place differential. So the, the biggest thing for us, we sent back like probably 15 lineups back and forth. We felt very strongly about including either Kaz Grala or Justin Haley or both drivers just, just because place differential, you got to imagine starting 38th and 28th at a track like Daytona that they're going to come out on top in the positive for place differential. And I do want to go into a couple of the other variations of lineups that we did have because there are some other drivers that I liked including, and one of those was Austin Dillon. He's valued at 10300 which is 300 more than what is our most expensive driver in our official lineup recommendation, Brad. But Austin Dillon, starting 27th, he's got the most to race for, both in terms of points, in terms of winning his way into the playoffs. I definitely like having a guy like Austin Dillon as one of the centerpieces to your lineup. Also the guy that is most expensive for DFS purposes this week, and that's Joey Logano, valued at 10600 He rolls off 22nd, has a really good demonstrated history at Super Speedways, wins at Talladega, wins at Daytona. I think he is as safe a bet as you're going to get at one of these Super Speedway tracks. And, you know, if there's ever going to be a week where you can make a spot in your lineup for two or three of the most expensively valued drivers, like Joey Logano, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, guys like that, this is it because you can pick a lot of sleepers in your lineup like Justin Haley or Kaz Grala, Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace, guys like that who are lesser valued that I think are going to make you have a very well-rounded lineup. couple other drivers, though, Cole, not to overlook because they start kind of in that 9th to 12th range. Uh, I don't really like, especially at Super Speedways, picking guys that are in that intermediate starting position level, but... Guys whose names we've mentioned as good super speedway drivers and ones who could have success this weekend that could be worth something in your lineup. That's going to be Matt Benedetto starting ninth. Again, I, I the biggest thing was we, we tried flexing him into a couple lineups, but like you mentioned, that that spot starting ninth, it's it's pretty much going to be winner bust for him. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Similarly to our next driver, who I, we also flexed into a few lineups, um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Now Stenhouse is valued at six thousand starting in twelfth. De Benedetto is valued at 6,700 starting ninth again. So, th again, the logic here is that both these drivers are great speedway racers. We're not taking away from that. It's just that the starting position for both drivers is going to be a little bit tough to overcome unless they're going to be coming out winning the race. That's the thing. They're both really cheap, valued at 6,000 and 6,700 respectively for Stenhouse and De Benedetto. So, I think that if you have four or five drivers in your lineup that you already feel really good about and you don't have a ton of money left to spend... I like the idea of including one, but not both of these guys, because they both have really good outside chances of winning the race, and they could be a really strong way to round out your lineup. So in closing, that is our official lineup for this week. Brad Keselowski leading it off at 10,000, followed by Denny Hamlin at 9,400, Kaz Grala at 8,900, Chase Elliott at 8,500, and then Bubba Wallace at 6,500, and Justin Haley at 5,500. So with that, Cole, let's take it to the bank for our own purposes and make our race picks. And you went first last week at Michigan. 
almost correctly predicting that Kyle Larson would win the race because he did lead the most laps. But this week, things are going to be very interesting. We talked about it at the very top. There are so many different ways that we could go with our picks. Uh, and I'm going to go first this week. And it's going to be really difficult for me because we've spent all this time talking about the great chances that Team Penske's stable has to win this race, along with Joe Gibbs Racing and guys like Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. So much to the point where, again, it just feels like Hendrick Motorsports is being swept under the rug. Everybody is forgetting how strong they've been all year, how great of speed that they have had, not just the entire season as a whole, but at Daytona and Talladega. And so I think that one of these drivers is going to win, and I think it's going to be Chase Elliott. I have a really good feeling about him coming from the fifth spot and winning this race. The great drivers in this sport of the last 10, 15 years in this playoff format just have a knack for channeling all of their energy at this point in the year, peaking at the perfect time and clicking off wins and just finding that momentum streak right when the playoffs begin. We've seen Jimmy Johnson do it so many times throughout his career, and that's why he had so many great runs in the chase in the playoffs. And I think that this chase, Chase Elliott, is he's just going to channel all of his energy just in the perfect time of the season. He's going to cap off a win uh, in the regular season at Daytona. He's not just a road course ringer. I think he's going to win a lot of races in the playoffs. He's going to come out in P1 at Daytona in the regular season finale. And for my sleeper, again, so many different ways that we could go with this, but I just have a good gut feeling about Bubba Wallace. Talked about a great gut feeling about guys like Matt Benedetto and Eric Jones too, but Bubba Wallace has had just a really tough time uh, this year in general, first year with 2311 Racing, and I think a lot of people had higher expectations for that team. And he just has a really good knack for these kinds of tracks. So I think that Bubba Wallace has a really good outside chance of winning the race on Saturday, and I think Chase Elliott does win the race on Saturday. Those are both great picks. I will admit that Bubba Wallace was going to be my sleeper, so kudos to you for that pick. Of the drivers in the HMS table, I really believe that Chase would be my pick to win the race. I just think, you mentioned it, he, he's, a, he's the reigning champion. He knows what he has to do going into the postseason to make a run, and I think that he's a great speedway racer. He has success at tracks like Daytona and Talladega, just kind of been unlucky in closing them out at times. So I think that he has a really good race. I think he has a great shot at the win. And I, I think of the drivers with wins this year, that Chase Elliott and Brad Gislowski would be my two picks in that regard. But I really do believe that it's going to be a first-time winner in 2021 at Daytona this weekend, and I think it's going to be Denny Hamlin. He's hungry for a win. He's sitting behind Kyle Larson second in the regular season standings, and he he needs a win. That That's the bottom line. He's one of the winningest drivers last year to Kevin Harvick, and he he's, has the most active wins at Daytona, most laps led between Daytona and Talladega this year, most laps led active drivers at Daytona, period. And I think that he goes out. I think he leads a lot of laps, and I think he wins this race. For my sleeper, it's a guy we mentioned earlier, a guy I feel very strongly about, and it's Daytona. It's, this place is magic, as we mentioned. It has a history of creating big moments, some of the best in the sport. And I think that this is shipping up to be a Matt Benedetto-type race. Like, it, it just feels like that going in. We mentioned it earlier, and I think that Matt Benedetto has a great shot at the win, and he is my sleeper for Saturday. I feel really good about those picks, too. I could have easily gone the same way. I was kind of between Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski because we mentioned we have so much confidence in TJ Majors atop the spotter stand, and I think that those three drivers are my favorites. Uh, and we talked about both of us having a really good intuition about Matt Benedetto and the magic in the air, so we'll see what happens, but those were our picks for this weekend, and I, I want to end this episode by picking our favorite Coke Zero 400 slash Firecracker 400 
memories from years past because we mentioned this has always been one of our favorite race weekends of the year, whether it takes place over Labor Day weekend, last regular season race, or the 4th of July weekend. I want to hear what your favorite memory or memories from this race weekend are going back to when you first started watching the sport. There's two that jump out to me. Um, the first one I'm going to go with is very easy. It might be my favorite Dale Jr. win of all time, actually, mm -hmm. um, since we've been watching the sport, and that's going to be the 2015 win um, in the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Just because I began watching NASCAR later in Dale's career when he was with HMS, and I never really got to experience like that, that Earnhardt dominance at these plate tracks. And this was the first race at Daytona or Talladega where – Dale Jr. had the dominant car, and there was no way he was losing that race. Mm -hmm. It was just ridiculous, the speed that car had. Uh, nicknamed Amelia by Dale because yeah. it won so many races and did so well. Uh, that was just—I had goosebumps the entire race. It, it was just incredible to see him go out there and dominate at Daytona once again. Cool finish, and, too. Oh, one of the greatest finishes, too. Very happy Austin Dillon walked away from that one. But that one was also memorable just because— that was the day that I came back from New York. You guys, you and Kateri, our sister, stayed there. And I remember you were watching at our, our uh, aunt and uncle's house. Yep. But it was like, I want to say 11 o'clock at night in Arizona. <laughs> yep. It was probably 1 o'clock there on the East Coast. So yeah. I I love legit night races. We don't really get them on the West Coast. It's They usually end as it's getting dark out. So it was cool to have like a legit night race in Arizona. And just to have Dale dominate was f incredible. And the other memory I had that, that's really vivid to me is 2009, the Coke Zero Sugar 400, when Tony Stewart spun uh, Kyle Busch for the win and wrecked him. Uh, this was just a, a very memorable finish. I think that, that Burger King car was really cool that Tony Stewart was driving. It was iconic. <laughs> but it was a very iconic moment in NASCAR that year. And I remember we had like a big 4th of July party. And after that race, it was just like the, the adrenaline was going. We were all going crazy and we jumped in our pool. We like were spraying soda all over the place. It was just <laughs> a really, really fun time or a great, great day. Yeah, that was a really fun race. Those are two of my favorite memories, too. And, and that last one you mentioned was near the top of my list. Another underrated one because it took place in the Xfinity series that I remember very well was when Dale Jr. took the three car the blue and yellow Wrangler car to victory lane in the Xfinity series. That was a really fun race to watch. And what was, I, I think it was 2012 or something. That was a great race. Uh, one that's near the top of my list for this race weekend specifically. Uh, my favorite is probably 2013 though, when Jimmy Johnson swept the Daytona races. Remember he won the Daytona 500 that year and just absolutely dominated in the white lightning car at Daytona in July. That was probably the most dominant super speedway win of Jimmy's career. So those two that I just mentioned, as well as the two that you mentioned, are near the top of my list. And then also probably, I guess I'm kind of doing a top five now. The other one that sticks out actually was last year. Watching Jimmy Johnson and William Byron uh, race together for that final playoff spot throughout the entirety of that race. And seeing William Byron win his first race was just a surreal feeling for me because I remember going back to my days working at Phoenix Raceway. The first driver that I ever interviewed back in 2015 was William Byron in the K&N Series West. And I've always followed him so closely from that point. Always thought he had such a very similar demeanor to the guy I grew up rooting for, Jimmy Johnson. And seeing him 
kind of just almost get a passing of the torch in beating Jimmy for that final transfer spot and winning his first career race at the Cup Series level in that Liberty University car was a surreal feeling and one that I will never forget. Uh, so this race specifically, again, doesn't matter what time of year that it happens, it just feels like there's always some kind of magic in the air. We just named five memories off the top of our heads, and I think that there's no telling what we are going to see this weekend at Daytona once again. Absolutely, and this, that's the thing. That's, that's a great memory also that you just mentioned with William Byron. I feel like no matter what, whenever you go to Daytona or Talladega, you have that those butterflies in your chest, that anxiety, uh, just watching at home. But even, I think last year was the most on edge I felt from start to finish watching a race, just because... It was so close. Every single driver in that points battle. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson competing for his competing in his final season for a postseason spot. William Byron looking for his first win and first uh, attempt at the postseason. It was just really incredible. I thought it was the best decision by NASCAR to move this race as the regular season finale. And I think we're going to get more of that on Saturday. It sure is going to be very exciting. Again, one of our favorite race weekends of the year. Probably the best track on the circuit. Can't wait to see it this Saturday night. 7 Eastern, make sure you tune in for it. And please tune in to our social media channels at the underscore money stop. We're going to be posting great social clips all week and all weekend long. All great visuals of our picks and our DFS lineup recommendations uh, and things to recap the weekend as well. So you'll definitely want to follow us there at the underscore money stop. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time.